This is the Complete Shooter Podcast with your hosts, Jesse Armistead and the founder of Complete Shooter himself, Kirk Miles. Complete Shooter is dedicated to helping young players reach the next level and achieve all of their basketball dreams. So if you want to know what it takes to be a great player at the high school, college, Welcome back to our Complete level, Shooter Podcast. It has right been a place. while, but we are back and ready to go, um, get things rolling again. So I have Kirk here with me, and we're excited to get kind of another season or, I guess period of podcast going and get it get everything going so end of the year kind of got crazy but we're back and ready to go so welcome back Kirk what have you been up to since since our last couple podcasts yeah it's good to be here um had some good uh family time in December and uh just uh getting after the business and and opening gyms and um selling business licenses and just doing work as normal so but i'm really excited to get the podcast back going uh i've really enjoyed doing that so it's good to be here today yeah it's been a really good couple months i can't remember exactly when it was but we started doing some more training in st george i think since um it's our last podcast so we've opened up st george we've got things starting to move down there so yeah so if anybody's down there we're we're down there now so yeah um, get in touch with us. So it's been good. Um, so today we wanted to go over a couple things real quick. Kirk and I and um, Steven, who was on our podcast before, had the chance to go down to a player development conference in Miami in October of last year. And so we wanted to just kind of share a couple things that we took from that. Um, really great experience. Got to meet a lot of other really cool trainers um, that are kind of trying to do the same thing we are, help kids get better and make a living out of it. So uh, what were some of your takeaways from that conference? I think the number one thing that I got out of that conference was the uh, attention to detail that the the trainers that we listened to, and, and they didn't just talk, they actually did some, some uh, training. Yeah. So they had some kids come out, and they actually did some training, and, and just uh, the attention to detail. Uh, and these are these are well-known national trainers, um, and so their attention to detail was uh, just pretty much blew me away. I never knew that I could I could learn so much um, on a uh, screen and roll. Just yeah. the concept of a screen and roll, and then breaking down every aspect of it. And the attention to detail on that was uh, was amazing. And anything that they anything that they showed, uh, the attention to detail was was incredible. Yeah, I think that's my biggest takeaway. Yeah, and I think my biggest thing was all these guys are like different personalities, different training styles. But again, the attention to detail and whatever they were doing, so. I was super interested to see like some of the differences between guys like Drew Hanlon, um, who's very game practice, game results. That's his big thing. And then Michael Lancaster, who's very skill development and uses a lot of cones and mats and kind of training tools that a lot of other trainers make fun of. Um, but listening to both of them, it was like, no, both of the things you're doing are working, right? Yeah, they had a common thread, didn't they, of attention to detail. Yep. 
no matter what they did, even though they had different training styles, it was still attention detail, I think, was the common thread. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so really cool to just hear, like, the different perspectives. And there were some performance coaches there, too. Um, I thought that was really cool. Um, and like we were just talking before we started this podcast, at this point, it's the sports world is so competitive that performance training is going to be essential if you want to be a high-level player. Yeah, it's it's not like it used to be. It, it's like we were talking about earlier. You gotta you gotta learn the playing side of the game by being on teams and you know playing comp ball, playing AU ball, playing high school. You know you got to get all the playing side in. But if you're not also training, then you're getting left behind. Yep. So the training side is really come on as a big part of kids of kids's development. Yeah. So for sure, for sure. Um, anyways, really great conference. One of the coolest things was just meeting other trainers. Um, I know we talked to a guy, you really talked to a guy that was in like New York and trying to help kids that like couldn't afford it and kids in tough situations. So that was really cool. Um, a bunch of people I'd seen from YouTube videos and podcasts and stuff like that. So it was kind of a cool experience to just be there and meet all these people. I think there were, I can't remember how many people were there. Um, I think there was probably like 300, 300 maybe. yeah something maybe like that. that yeah it was it was awesome to see the to see the trainers see how they trained see the things that they focused on and then it was also good to you know do some networking with the people that had come to to learn and and it had a good it had a good um, uh, spirit in the room because everybody was there to to get better Everybody was there to learn and get better. And so there was a good feeling in that in that room. Yeah. Yeah, and shout out to Cole and Tyler for putting that together. Yeah, I was shocked when I met them because of their age. Um, I just, you know, one, I think they're in their, both of them are under 25. Yeah. Right? And uh, for them to put that together, and they did a really professional job. Oh, yeah. You know, and that was their first one. So, yeah, I, I was really uh, I was really quite proud of them for stepping up. And I didn't even know them, but, you know, to step up and do that and to pull that off and bring in the kind of people that they brought in. Yeah. That's a real testament to them. So, yeah, it was, it was awesome. Yeah, really cool. After the first speaker, I was like, oh, this was totally worth it already. Yeah. So, <laughs> really yeah. cool. Yeah, it was good. Anyway, so I'm looking forward to going that whenever they have it again. I'm I'm planning to go again. So yeah, really cool. Um, but today we wanted to um, talk about a topic that I think is really important and messes with the confidence of a lot of players sometimes, and that's figuring out which shots are good shots and which shots are bad shots in a game. Because um, a lot of times the the struggle with players is not that they can't make shots, so they don't know when to take them. Mm -hmm. or when, how to find the right ones. So um, when we're talking about good and bad shots, what, what comes to your mind first? Well, first thing that comes to my mind is uh, uh, what, what coaches um, typically do to kids when it comes to this. Like a kid will, they'll pull a kid off the floor, set him on the bench, and as he walks by him, they'll say, uh, you can get better shots than that. Or that wasn't a good shot. 
or and so what that does to a kid is it plays on his head then now he's second guessing what shot is a good shot what shot's a bad shot and coaches don't explain it yeah so my thing i've coached a lot of games coached at the high school level my thing is this any open shot is a good shot my attitude is you run an offense so that you can get open shots that's the whole purpose of an offense is so you can get open looks right i'm coaching a fifth grade team right now and um you know i um have taught those kids um what's the definition of a bad shot and every one of those kids on the team I'll, I'll ask in a group, I'll say, okay, what's the definition of a bad shot? And they'll all quote it in unison. And that's what I want. I want them to understand what a bad shot is so that then they know what a good shot is, right? And so to me, a bad shot is a contested shot or a hurried shot. Those are bad shots. Anything else that you take where you've got an open shot an open shot is a good shot. So, um, and I want kids to feel free, even the little fifth graders I coach, I want them to feel free if they have an open shot that they can take it. Because if you work an offense, I tell the kids this, if you work an offense and you're running an offense, running an offense, running an offense, and you get an open shot and you don't take it as a player, then you're hurting the team. Because we worked our whole offense to get that shot. And then you don't pull the trigger, right? And so helping kids to understand that they've got a green light as long as it's an open shot. Yeah. And, it's, and, and so I'll have kids every time, like in practice, kids will take really dumb shots, right? So I'll stop practice and I'll say, hey, was that a bad shot? What's the definition of a bad shot? They'll quote it. A hurried shot or a contested shot. That's right. What was that shot? It was contested. So what was it? That was a bad shot, right? So I want to get in their head what a bad shot is. And every time somebody takes a bad shot, I want to I bring that out so that the whole team understands what a bad shot is. Then... You can work around everything else. Once you've defined what a bad shot is, then I think you can work around everything else. Now, you know, at the, at the college level, high school level, they're running stuff like, um, you know, they'll do a, uh, uh, my mind's kind of went blank, but they'll do a, uh, uh, a drill, a three-point shooting drill, uh, like, like what we run, uh, the license, yeah. and you've got to make so many in order to have the right to shoot a three in a game. So you kind of see that kind of stuff going on, and that's that kind of separates who can shoot a three and who can't. Which I think that's a good that's a good thing. Yeah. And then and then if a kid wants to shoot threes, then work on your threes and get your percentage up to seventy percent in this drill. You hit seventy percent, you can shoot a three. 
So I like stuff like that that kind of makes kids work for the right to be yeah. able to shoot. But I think if, if you put five guys on the floor, those five guys have got to be able to take open shots. Yeah. And you can't be saying, this kid, you can't shoot, and don't you shoot that shot, because then it, it hurts your offense. Yeah. Right? And that's what a lot of coaches do, is they'll have one or two kids they want to take all the shots. Then you get in trouble if you're going to do that because then you get in a you get in uh, uh, in like state playoffs or region playoffs or anything like that. They may do a triangle and two, yeah, and take those two kids right out of the game, and now you're faced with the kids that you wouldn't let shoot, and now you're not going to win the game. Yeah, so I think that uh, coaching really bothers me um, a lot with how they manage kids and how they manage shots yeah and i uh, think it's important to realize that everything you talked about there was not connected to whether they made it or missed the shot right correct it was are they taking it or are they passing it up mm -hmm. right and i think a lot of kids are like well if i miss it my coach is going to be mad right and some coaches are yeah right? just like you said with those role players if they take a shot and they miss then the coach might be mad but that's really what kind of hurts a player's confidence is when they're worried about the repercussions of missing a shot, even if it's open. Yeah. Yeah, you know, the, the, the thing that you have to do to, to be successful, I don't see this happen hardly at all, but if you, if you want to, and I think we've talked about this before, but if you want to compete for a region title, you have to have three kids that are in double figures every game. Every game. If you have three kids in double figures every game, you're going to compete for a region title. If you're going to compete for a state title, you have to have four kids in double figures every game. And <clears throat> if you had five kids in double figures every game, you pretty much are a shoe-on to win a state title. So if, that, if that's true then there needs to be more emphasis on every player that steps on the floor being able to score. Now, that comes back to what we do, Jesse, because in our training, if kids get involved in training, then they're going to be better prepared to be one of those five kids on the floor that can score double figures. Yep. If you score 10 points or more in a game, your offensive you, you are relevant offensively, and you will play. The yep. coach cannot set you on the bench if you're a double-figure scorer. And so uh, that's what I try to teach the kids that I'm coaching that's even like fifth grade. Look, we got to have all of you scoring 10 yep. points a game. So how do we get that done, right? And so it comes down to training, helping kids get better, have better have better shooting fundamentals, all those kind of things, um, and then by having good shooting fundamentals, then they're going to have the confidence that they need to pull the trigger yep. when they've got an open shot, right? And any open shot is a good shot, yep. and a coach should never get mad at a kid for taking an open shot. Yeah. Um, let me kind of play devil devil's advocate here on that last point. Open shot, say kick to the corner they're wide open for a three the player shoots it off one leg 
it's open. It's not hurried. Is that still a good shot? That's probably not sound fundamentals, <laughs> right? So sound fundamentals, and, and, and that's, the, that's the thing that I, I love about uh, the jump stop because the jump stop puts a kid so that he's got good balance when he shoots. Um, and getting young kids to be able to jump stop, uh, again, the fifth grade team I'm coaching right now, that's my big focus with them is on every catch they're jump stopping so that they're ready to shoot if it's open, right? And they've got good balance. So I would say that, you know, you got to focus on the fundamentals and have them be fundamentally sound in the way that they shoot, and then any open, any open shot is a good shot. Gotcha. Um, so I, was, I can't remember if it was at the conference or another video, but I heard Drew Hanlon kind of explain what he defines as a good shot. And it's any shot that you've practiced and any shot that you make consistently in your workout. So theoretically, if you were wide open and you wanted to shoot a three off one foot and you've practiced it over and over and you make 70, 80% workouts, then I would agree that's a good shot. It would be weird and not necessarily the best way to do it. Yeah, it comes down, it comes down to uh, the kid and what he's worked on. And yeah. why is he shooting that way? Because he's done it so many times. He's confident yeah. shooting that way, right? Yeah. And so his example was um, Jason Tatum's sidestep, right? Because a lot of people are like, that's a really bad shot, really contested, like really difficult because you're off balance a little bit. Um, but he was explaining that that shot for him, he makes 80, 90% in workouts. And so he's practiced it. He knows he can make it as opposed to, I don't know, maybe somebody like Royce O'Neal on the Jazz, him trying to do a step back jumper or a step back three, right? Even if he's open, probably still not a good shot. Maybe he's worked on it. I don't know. But not to the point where it's it's his thing and he's confident in, in doing it all the time. Yeah, kids are going to be uh, what they work on the very most when the pressure's on and they get in a – here's the thing that I see. If it's a blowout game, everybody on the floor has confidence to, yeah. to, to fire, right? Everybody that's on the floor, it's a blowout game. All of a sudden, courage abounds with everybody that's on the team. When it's a when it's a close game, that's when the kids that have put the work in show up and score because they've got the confidence. And the kids that have courage in a blowout, they totally disappear yeah. in a close game. And uh, so it comes down to those kids working hard, developing the confidence. You know what? That's a good point because uh, you know my. Uh, Jake, who's been on, on our podcast, he had a 36-inch, 37-inch vertical on his jump shot. So he could rise above the defender, and he would have an open shot because it wasn't contested because nobody is up there right. where he was. So for him, that would be a good shot. Even if, even if somebody's up on him, that would be a good shot. For somebody else, it would not be. And that comes down to the amount of effort and work that you put in. 
right? Michael Jordan, Kobe fadeaway. Yeah. Always contested, hand in the face, but it was money for them. <laughs> so. Yeah, that move that Jordan had where he'd put his back to the basket down just above the post yep. and then do that fadeaway. I mean, if they had to have a point, you knew he was going to do that. Yep. Right? He knew it wasn't going to get blocked. Yeah. So he could just, <laughs> yeah. no matter how close it was, how contested it was, he knew. Yeah. Knew it was his shot. And again, that's because he's practiced it for yeah. work, work, years work, and work, years work. And years. So. Yeah. So. Um, so say you have a kid that everybody's telling him to shoot more, right? Saying he needs to take these shots. You're open, shoot it, but they're just not confident. How do you go about helping them with that? Well, the the thing that I like to do, and, you know, this is kind of opposite of, I think, what most coaches do, but, again, right now I'm coaching a fifth-grade team, so I'm going to use them as a point of reference. Um, if I have a kid that's uh, on the floor and he passes up an open shot, then – I immediately pull him out. And I say to him, if you don't take that open shot, you hurt your team. So you sit there and think about it. And next time you get that opportunity, you pull the trigger, right? I don't see very many coaches doing stuff like that that gives kids the courage and the confidence to shoot, yeah. right? Most of them, if they miss, they pull them out. Or if they take a shot yeah. that they're not yeah. supposed to. Yeah, and then they'll, they'll pull them out, right? Now you're messing with the kid's head. So I just I, – I, I think that uh, especially when you're dealing with young kids, you got to get them where they can just – they're just like so eager to get the ball and so eager to have – to get an open shot that they can take. And if they're open – they're just like, oh, I got to get the ball. I got to get the ball. I got to get the ball. The ball comes. They're ready. Boom. Yeah. Right. And kids that are ready like that and are anxious and ready to shoot uh, because they're open, uh, that's what you want. You know, you want everybody on the floor doing that. Imagine if you, uh, I've, I've often thought about, I'd like to make one more run of being a high school coach and develop um, six, seven, eight scores that uh, were interchangeable. And I, I could have six or seven kids that are double-figure scorers. You'd never get beat yeah. if you had that. If you had that in high school, you'd never get beat. Um, I think of teams that um, – uh, that I've watched that have six. I, I, I know a few teams that in high school had six, seven kids on their team that scored double figures every game, and they they won back-to-back -back state titles because of that. So I know that that's a reality. If you can develop shooters and scorers and have kids have confidence, then it's like it's like just so much fun for everybody. And I'd rather have that environment than have one kid that scores 30 points and everybody else scores less because then that puts so much pressure on that one kid. And if they double-teamed that kid or whatever, then what's going to happen to you, right? So it's so much better to develop all the players. And that's where 
that's where we come in, where we can go to a, a high school coach and we can sell that to them, that we can we can develop help them develop uh, double figure scores, right? Right, and and ten or more points a game, and you get that. It's just amazing what can happen to you. So, so yeah, I just think I just think that it's it's all in. It's all in your attitude as a coach and how you um, promote scoring and getting after kids for not shooting rather than getting after kids for shooting. Yeah. And I think that that's – and there's a lot of control freak coaches out there that they want to control every little aspect. And it's hard to play for a coach like that. So what advice do you have for a kid or a parent whose kid is on a team like that where if they do start taking shots and they're not going to play? That's a tough one because um, I, the thing that I like to have, have uh, kids do is I like to have them build a relationship with their coach so they can talk to their coach about these kind of things and have an open dialogue. Um, so you could go to your coach and say, okay, you know how we run this certain play and it, it, it opens up certain kids for shots, that kind of thing. If I come off this screen and I'm wide open, are you good with me taking that shot? Uh, being able to have an open dialogue with your coach is, in today's basketball, sometimes a little bit difficult because a lot of coaches will make decisions and choices and not even let you in on why. Yeah. And then that leaves the kid wondering, why did that happen? And what happens is the parent wants to go save the kid, wants to jump in and save the kid and yeah. talk to the coach and – that never goes well. Never. So um, I like to I like to kind of do some training with kids to help them learn how to communicate with their coach, how to talk to their coach about what he's looking for, so that you and your coach can be on the same page. Yeah. And you totally understand what he expects, what he will allow you to do, and what he won't allow you to do. If you've got a coach that's like that, that's more um, uh, control uh, kind of basketball, then you have to do that. Uh, there are some coaches out there that are freelance coaches. You know, they, they run an offense, and anybody that's got an open shot has the right to take it. But that's pretty far few between, however that saying goes, with being able to find that. So – I think more than anything else, you have to you have to build a relationship with that coach so that you can be on the same page. Yeah. And then as far like as finding the right fit, especially when you're doing like AU comp stuff, it's about finding somebody who you can have that relationship with and understanding what the purpose is, right? Because like AU, maybe even junior high comp stuff should be all about developing the players yeah right not so much about winning but there are some coaches in those groups that are all about winning and like you said we'll say 
if we want to win, these two kids are shooting all the time. Yeah. Right. If you want to win, you're not going to shoot. Then you can't shoot. And so it's it's tough. And there's situations where I've had kids in that team environment where it's, well, I want to win, but I'm not really getting any better. So it's a, it's tough sometimes to find the right the right fit. Yeah, it is. I think that um, uh, a lot of coaches will, um, like take AAU for instance, um, it's a little better than high school basketball because you're getting some of the better players from different high schools to come and play together. Yeah. So the talent that you have coming together is a little bit higher quality than what maybe the high school the high school team is. So those coaches seem to be, and AAU's more up and down the court. It's yeah. more fast. It's So those coaches seem to be a little bit more like freelance coaches, right? High school coaches seem to be a little bit more uh, control. And one of the reasons why is because maybe they only got two kids on their team that have put the effort and the time in to become good, right? And coaches could really use that to their benefit by saying, hey, do you know why these two kids are, sp are spotlighted on our team, are focused on our team as scorers? Because of all the work they put in. The rest of you don't put any work in. You don't spend the time it takes to be good. You're not in training. You just do basketball when it's basketball season. You don't work on your game. These two kids work on their game all the time, yep. year-round. So if you want to be able to have shots, you want to be able to be one of those two, then that's what you have to do. And if you held those two up as those kind of kids, and the reason that they're, they're getting the shots and the reason they're spotlighted on the team, then other kids will, will rise. You'll create a vacuum that kids will then arise and go fill that vacuum and, and work harder yeah. if they know that they're gonna be they're gonna be rewarded for it like these two kids but a lot of times coaches don't emphasize that they don't emphasize the work that these two kids put in and the reason why they're getting the ball yeah. right so I think you could really um, um, let me just say it's kind of like coaches some coaches out there only play grades like if you're a senior you're gonna play yeah you know juniors play with juniors seniors play with seniors sophomores play with sophomores freshmen play with freshmen and there's not a lot of bumping kids up right that kind of breeds uh mediocrity in your program because the younger kids go uh the older kids say well i'm a senior so i'm gonna play now so I really don't have to go put effort in. And then you got the younger kids saying, well, what good does it do to go work hard? Because I'm only going to play at the juniors anyway. I don't have a chance to play varsity basketball. So I'm not going to work hard. So that whole program becomes mediocre yep. because of that. And um, if you operate based on hard work, hard work away from practice, hard work uh, when there's no butts in the seat, right? And you're in the gym on your own. 
pushing, pushing, pushing to get better. If that became the standard that determined who played and who didn't, now you've got something set up, I think, that can just explode for you. Yeah. For sure. I don't so. think I don't think any amount of politics can overcome hard work. No. Right. If you work hard enough and the coach sees that work, then he'd be making a really dumb decision not to play you. So. Yeah, because you know the the, the hard work is going to show is going to show in the ability to score, and any coach that wants to win is going to play his shooters or his scorers. Yeah. They're going to be on the floor if he wants to win, yeah. right? And I think most coaches want to win. Exactly. Right. So one thing I just thought of. My high school coach, Coach Sims, my junior year, we were very <coughs> big man oriented, which meant we played pretty slow. And so we would sometimes run a minute and a half, two minutes each possession before we found a good shot that we wanted. I, and I think for a lot of kids and coaches, it's kind of like that. How do you think they just approved the shot clock for next year? How do you think that's going to change kind of how coaches determine what's a good shot and a bad shot. Yeah. I was so glad to hear that. I really was because it's going to speed the game up. It's going to it's going to play into uh, more opportunities to have more kids on the floor that can score. Because you've got are they going with a 35 second? Did yeah. they say what it was? Yeah, 35, 35. second. Which that's a pretty long shot clock. Yeah. But it always amazed me when I've coached against a shot clock. It's it's hard to get used to. Yeah. Cuz you're getting in your offense and 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 then all of a sudden, oh, now we got 8 seconds left. Yeah. You know, and then 5 seconds and so it puts a certain amount of pressure. And so you've got to have you got to have your offense has got to get set up quicker. And a lot of teams will sometimes press, you know, so that it takes time off the clock. So when they get in, they even have less time to, to, to get the shot off. So you'll see a lot more uh, all 84 feet uh, up and down the court. Yeah. You'll see more of that. So I think that uh, – sorry about that. I, I think that it, you're going to see, um, uh, obviously, faster – uh, you're going to see up and down the court. You're going to see all 84 feet being played. Yeah. And know, end of the game, way more interesting. Yeah. I'm way excited about that. I've, I've thought that Utah has been way behind the the times yeah. with not getting a shot clock. Because, you know, we've had, we've had state title games that when uh, you think back when um, Alpine – Lone Peak, Peak, yeah, had that national championship team, and they were playing Brighton, and Brighton stood out there and just held the ball. Dribbled it out for six to seven minutes. Yeah, because they knew they couldn't run with them, they couldn't compete with them, so that's how they were going to try to compete with them and win, which that is horrible basketball. Now – I'll tell you, as a coach, I have done that kind of thing. I was playing a Fremont team. Uh, I was coaching at Roy High, 
the girls, and we were playing a Fremont team, that they were scoring 70 points a game. And um, my team, you know, we had maybe one or two skilled players on our team, and, uh, you know, we were more putting up like 40, 50 points a game, right? So all week long going into playing Fremont, I, I worked on a stall. And, and when it came to the game, we did the stall. And the end of the first quarter, the score was two to three. The end of the halftime, it was nine to 10. The end of the third quarter, it was 19 to 20. And then the end of the game, we beat them 35 to 30 to 31. Um, but it was the only way we had to even compete with them. But it's bad basketball. Oh, yeah. People, when I was walking out at halftime, the fans were just booing me. <laughs> they were yelling at me, Miles, this isn't basketball. What are you doing? This is stupid, you know. But it's the only chance I had, right? But with a shot clock, you'll never see that. Yeah. So I'm so excited to see the shot clock. Yeah. really am. And I think it kind of gives. <coughs> again, if the play doesn't work, you end up with like 10 seconds, 8 seconds left. And sometimes that provides an opportunity for kids who usually wouldn't get shots to you kind of have to shoot it. So um, I think it's really, really good. And Yeah, you're going to have to de de develop. You're going to have to have all five kids on the floor are going to be able to have, have to have a green light to shoot if they've got an open shot yep. with a shot clock. It's just going to force that. So I think that is so exciting. Yeah, so I'm really excited about that. But, yeah. Are yeah. they doing it on did, – did they announce they're doing it on the boys' side and the girls' side? I think it's both, yeah. Both. Okay. That's awesome. So, it'll be good. I always – I have some freshmen, sophomores that get a couple minutes at the end of the game in varsity if it's a blowout. But they get in, and it's just dribbling it out. So, yeah. Okay. They really don't really I'm excited for that. If two minutes left, there'll be at least a couple possessions where yeah. they, they're you doing gotta something. Got to get some shots up, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So, um, and I'm, ass I'm assuming they're going to do that for JV and w sophomore basketball as well. I don't know. but yeah, You'd think that they'd have to. Uh, because it'll be there anyway. Yeah, and kids are going to have to get used to playing with a shot clock. So I would think that the younger grades also yeah. would, would, would be playing shot clock. So they'll have to, they'll have to, uh, each school will have to, you know, fit their gym with, whatever it is that they're how they're going to set that up yeah. is the shot clock going to be on top of the backboard like it is like with the where's the shot clock so in the college game where's so the shot in the college clock? i think it's usually on top yeah um unless it's a smaller one and then sometimes it's like a separate scoreboard up on the wall or like on the floor yeah, when I've played with a shot clock in AAU, that's the only place I've ever had shot clocks is when we went out of state in AAU. And um, Was it just they've like just, table? They just put it on, they just put it over in the corner yeah. on the floor, you know, and you can you can see yeah. it from there. But Usually one in mm -hmm, opposite corners. Two ends, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that'll be, that'll be fun to see this happen. It'll be fun to see which teams adjust to it and which ones – take more time in a couple of years to to get used to it yeah 35 seconds still a long time but yeah. but you know i mean yeah like i didn't have it 
in high school and when I went and played college, there were like very few times where we actually reached the end of it where it felt like we had to rush through the play just to get a shot. It was kind of just a, we could usually run two plays and if they didn't work, then we would have to get a shot up. So it's not a huge difference. I think the biggest difference is just going to be end of the game. Yeah. Have to get shots up. So closer games are going to be way more interesting. Um, better chance to, if you're down, to come back instead of trying to get a steal yeah. with two minutes left. I know. I think it's going to add real, real intrigue into the high school game. More shots to go around. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm excited about it. But, yeah, so there's been a lot going on, a lot of things changing, complete shooters growing. Uh, we're excited to be helping more and more kids. So it's been good. Yeah, yeah, I think that um, it, it's been a good year to have uh, things back to kind of normal out of the COVID thing. Getting you know, I've, I've been to high school games. I go to You go to high school games, I go to high school games every week. And to see the fans back and to see, you know, butts in the seat and to see, you know, you don't see very many masks anymore. Uh, just getting things back to some kind of uh, normal environment. Yep. Uh, because, you know, basketball is so exciting uh, in, in high school. You know, it's just it's, it's, such, a, it's such a fun game to go attend. Uh, and watch a high school game and uh, uh, see all the aspects of it and have all that back. It's just it's just so refreshing. Yeah. So this has been a good year for that and uh, to see kids stepping up and having success. And yeah. Yeah. It's, so it's, it's been definitely been fun to go watch. I went to the Olympus Skyline boys game last week, and it was – the most packed high school game I've been to, and it was crazy, but it was fun to just have so See, many people in there. They're both in the same region. Yep, they're. I think their schools are like less than a mile apart. Yeah. So. So a good rivalry. Good rivalry. They the have the the football rivalry. I can't remember. I think it's a rock that they pass around oh, for okay. whoever wins. Who so won that game? Olympus won. Was won it was good. it a good game? No. <laughs> yeah. Olympus is, is tough this year. So Skyline's had a good year too, but yeah. Olympus is just rolling right now. They're kind of a notch above. They they they're like that year in, year out. Yeah. Coach Barnes does a really, really good job there. Yeah. I think they returned most of their players from last year, so yeah. They just got to keep keep rolling. Yeah. But anyways, it's been a good year. We're excited to get the podcast going. We have some really good topics coming up. Um hopefully get some really exciting and interesting guests on here as well um, we have some really good good people we want to get on here so keep listening lots of really good stuff be confident take shots and just have fun yeah yeah that's what it's all about you know get out there and practice 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 and then take advantage of it in the game when those opportunities present themselves you'll be you'll be prepared and ready to to seize the moment seize the day if you put the time in and you practice so that's really the key. Practice, practice, practice. Yep. Leads to results. Yep, for sure. So, thanks again for listening. We'll catch you all later. Okay. Thank you.